Welcome to Ready Steady Remake, the podcast where each week we take a film, we review it, we love it, we hate it, and then we remake it. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Miss Rachel Tomo-Thompson. Hello, Rich. You right, mate? And my other co-host is Adam Schned-Taylor. All right. Yeah, man. Um, so, guys, we're back in the studio. We're back. Tell me, Rach. What film are we doing this week? Okay, this week, guys, uh, we are going to be looking at a neo-noir crime thriller, which was directed by David Fincher back in 1995 and written by Andrew Kevin Walker. It stars Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey and Gwyneth Paltrow. It was the highest grossing film of 1995 with a budget of $33 million dollars grossing over $327 million worldwide. It was well-received by critics who praised the film's darkness, brutality and themes. It was nominated for 33 film awards, winning 25 of them. And the tagline for the movie is, Let he who is without sin try to survive. <laughs> That's a terrible tagline. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I'm not keen on that. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, so of course we are doing... There are seven deadly sins, Captain. Gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, pride, lust and envy. Seven. David Fincher's Seven. Now, before we go on, this film's great, isn't it? It's this is a real good one. It's really good. It's so I'm so glad. Last week was uh, <laughs> was a low. Were you happy for the? It's right, right more up my street. Yeah. Yeah. This was a real, real good one. Um, now, Seven came out in 1995. Fortunately, all of us here are old enough to remember that. Yeah. So, guys, I um, was ten. Makes us feel yeah. old, doesn't it? I, I just want to know a little bit about your first interaction with Seven. Um, go on, tell me about it. Uh, I can't actually remember. To be honest with you, I think it was probably uni that I will have uh, watched it. Um, so, But yeah, I loved it. I mean, kind of serial killers and crime thrillers are really, really up my street. And if anything, this may have been the film that kind of, uh, where I realised that I had a fascination for kind of this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I loved how dark and, you know, grimy it was um, and kind of the utter horror of the deaths like the each death is just horrific but like like a car crash do you know what I mean like you just want to see it more and know more about it and I loved the kind of you know the catholic kind of element to it well acted like amazing cast um and as we all know like the ending just was like awesome how about you Sinead? Uh, it well, it would have been on TV. I reckon Channel Four. Do you reckon I, rather than ITV? I reckon Channel Four. Perhaps it probably will have shown it late, late night one night, and um, kind of the go-to serial killer thriller, really for me. Um, everything gets judged against it. It's so good. Mm. It's so really good. I mean, Freeman's in a bunch of uh, thrillers in the nineties. A lot more tame by comparison. Yeah, played a lot of old, washed-up cops. Yeah, he's, well, he plays uh, Alex Cross a few times, doesn't he? Yeah. But in this, he's, uh, he's Somerset, isn't he? But it's just, I don't know um, what... Watching back last night, because I watched it again, it's a bit... It's tamer than I remember. Really? Gotta, gotta say. Like, in, in, in terms... Of, I think I've watched it so early uh, in, in my life that it, it stuck in me, and therefore, like... The lust scene has always stayed in my head, and when it came, <laughs> boom, boom, last night. <laughs> this knife was, dildo, right? Yeah, knife yeah, yeah. dildo. Knife it, dildo. It, it wasn't as shocking. Now, of course, it wasn't the first time I'd seen it, but I was waiting for this, you know, like total Ooh, moment. And yeah. and I, I don't know. I think it's just after all watching Saw and everything like that, you know, just just in time, it, it's been slightly like well, that's diluted. a good point. Tem- I mean, tempered, my but- first memory of Seven is my mom coming back from the cinema, and my mother did not watch cinema; she did not care about films. And her and my dad went to go and see it one night when I was being babysat. I remember them coming home, 
and my mum arguing with my dad and being like, no, Mike, they've gone too far. They've gone too far. <laughs> and I was like, what is this film? I need to see this movie. And then I saw it a few years later on VHS. And the, the one kill that sticks out to me the most as a kid is the, uh, the gluttony, is the big fat bastard who's yeah. been eating all the pasta. Do you pasta. know that's the, um, the writer? With the actual body? Yeah. No. The, fir- the first corpse. Yeah. The, the gluttony one, it's the writer. Is he in a fat suit? Yeah, like they've like, like put loads oh, of prosthetics. Oh, thank God for that. And they felt... Um, <laughs> he just started eating when he started <laughs> yeah. writing. Because I checked him out on IMDb because I was like, surely yeah. not when I read that. But yeah, he's a bit weighty. Wow. But they've obviously like made him <laughs> yeah. extra fat. Um, but they, they felt bad with how much kind of like shit that they put on him that they end as like a little, you know, payment for like... The, what he went through, they made him really well endowed downstairs. Yeah, they made him sure that he's a big old package. Well, he's got a big old bundle there. (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily say it's well endowed, it's just a big old old mess. (laughs) 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 Let's talk a bit about the actual killings themselves in the film. Uh, We never actually see any of them. We don't see any of the murders, which which is not really the common thing done. We always see the aftermath, and because the aftermath is so graphic, does that help it stick in the head? Like you said before, Ads, you thought that the um, the knife dildo was much more violent than it actually is. Well, I think it's just the performance. Because what's he say? He's like, they tried to make me fuck her. Yeah, they yeah. made me fuck her. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually, I was talking about this. There, there were many different kind of TV edits over the years where you saw certain bits and then you didn't see certain bits, and the language had changed and stuff like that. And I think I watched probably the the, the main big cut last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. Yeah, because going into it, I was thinking, is this a horror movie or is this a thriller? And I think that answers it, really. It's a thriller rather than a horror, isn't yeah. it? So it's focused on the tension and the cops mm. and and the scenarios, as opposed to the brutality. Yeah, it's definitely a character piece and more about the characters as opposed yeah, to the Yeah, rather than the like a, a jump scare horror thing. And I think it's just because of how... Um, how horrific the, the deaths are. That yeah. makes it just really disturbing. I, I think that's I th- enough. I think also... Sorry, I'd go on. Well, I was going to say, the whole thing is kind of bereft of any form of hope, really, to be yeah. honest. Like, there isn't any bright light. It sort of starts with, with Freeman. Apart from Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess, but no. Well, I mean, <laughs> eventually I mean, not. for me, like some of the standout scenes in the film are like are not related to the killers. It's the character stuff. Mm. Like when they have the dinner party and the train goes over. Oh, um, yeah, and the they house. start laughing. Yeah, and or, when, or when they two meet and she tells him that she's pregnant and she doesn't want to tell him because mm-hmm. she's worried this city is too messed up. Those are the scenes that stick out for me as opposed to more of the, the graphic stuff yeah. going on in the for film. For me, the, the, la- the, fa- the journey... Um, through like the desert with with Kevin Spacey oh. and that whole just speech that he does to to Brad Pitt Morgan Freeman, right, yeah. him wound like, up and wound he, up and under Brad's he's, skin. Yeah, he's awesome. I find out the other day, you know, like we we never hear where it's set. We don't yeah, know I what city it's set in. That you you kind of assume it's maybe East Coast because it's it's just raining because of the rain. Yeah. all the well, time. The, if I read um, that. The writer kind of got inspiration from his time spent in New, New York. York. So yeah, it does. Perhaps the, it's got a. But then the ending isn't very close. Well, to Well, I was going to say no, no. originally the idea is well, film noir in general tends to take place in um, LA, just as kind of like a, a trope of the genre. Mm. But in this, it rains all the way through, and then at the end, obviously, it's very sunny and deserty. And the only reason it rains all the way through, which has kind of become one of the famous aesthetics of the film, when you think of Seven, you think of that rain. Yeah. The first day of shooting for Brad Pitt, it rained really bad. And they just went, oh, oh we just have to keep well, it let's raining. just put loads of rain in mm. then to yeah, keep yeah. it going. And that heavy rain becomes like a character in the film yeah, it almost. Does. It's so oppressive. Mm. And that city, look, as you were saying before, really the main themes of this film are sort of inhumanity and evil and, and bleakness. Now, with regards to the end of the film, the, the very, very end of the film, um, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, this is a big one for definitely watch the film. As I always say, if you haven't seen the film, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> go and watch Seven and then come back. Um, at you the don't end have of to film, watch Frozen, though. Uh, go and watch Frozen and Seven <laughs> in a double bill. Um, <laughs> at the end, we see that, you know, um, John Doe wins. He, he All his murders are completed and he mm-hmm. completes his cycle of the Seven Deadly Sins. Brad Pitt... In the head, and then he sort of walks away, and then just as the film is about to end, we hear voiceover from Morgan Freeman, oh, yeah. and I think it's a Hemingway quote, yeah, Ernest Hemingway, where he says something along the lines of, um, "the what the what, this world is a beautiful place and it's worth fighting for," mm-hmm. and he says, "I believe in the second part." Right, and that's the end of the film, and that is a really that's a totally tagged on ending because originally people just said it's just too goddamn dark, just mm. to end ending. it on the shooting, just to end it with the shooting, and yeah, then yeah. done. Well, I, I think, I mean, 
I believe they they actually didn't. They had an alternative ending. And they had two scripts, and when they sent, because David Fincher. He was like traumatized from his Alien Three experience because he had such a terrible time. I oh, still rate Alien Three. I think Alien Three's got some merits. Well, That's I think, what I'm saying. I think he just personally right. had a tough time. Oh, they on chewed it. him up and spat him out. They so he was like, "I'm not going to direct again." And then he got sent this Seven script, but they were meant to send him the alternative ending one, but by accident sent him the original one, which mm-hmm. is with the the box and everything that happened. And they were like, oh shit, we sent you the wrong one. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it unless we do this ending because I loved it. Yeah, and then Brad Pitt was like, I'll drop out if you don't put this ending in. And originally, this is some of the... So the producers said, right, let's try and compromise on the ending. So do you know what one of the compromises was? It's not Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box. It's one of his dogs from oh. his house. And that was going to be the reason, because they could, they just not like the fact that she was pregnant. Another one was we can't have her be pregnant. What, were they going to explicitly say that? I mean, they I were love gonna dogs, say, but... He was going to go, oh, it's your dog's in the box. And he's going to go, what's in the box? And then shoot him, because they killed his dog. John Wick style. John Wick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, obviously, that was uh, thrown away. Uh, that was definitely tossed aside. Um, with regards to the ending of the film, one of my favourite scenes in all of it is when uh, Kevin Spacey walks into the detectives and he goes, Detective! Detective! Yeah. Um, Kevin Spacey himself was one of the people who said, I want all of my name just removed from all mm. of the marketing. I don't want my name featured anywhere. I don't want anyone to know I am in this film. And if you went to see this opening night... I mean, Kevin Spacey was still hot coming off um, Usual Suspects. Seeing that big reveal halfway through, I think that's quite mm. interesting. And you'd never be able to do that today. <laughs> never in a million years. There'll be internet pictures and set leaks and yeah. all stuff. Yeah, it was ace. And I was watching the whole first half. Anytime you sort of see him in that in that chase sequence and stuff like that, and they're really good. You do not see him. You can't yeah. recognise him at all. Even when he's the reporter and, as well. Yeah, <clears> and <throat> it's very noir that his imagery with the, the kind of the port hat, hat and that and kind coat, of thing. Yeah. It, um, yeah, that bit's brilliant. And yeah, then when it, it he just breaks le- these his days, face. Yeah, yeah. Man. These days it'd just leak, wouldn't it? Oh, straight away. Like, You'd we'd know be able to get, get away with that. Can, can we clear up um, some of the... Uh, what's the word? I mean, it's a bit vague in places, isn't it? Uh, in terms of w- who do the sins actually refer to? So in Lust... Yes. She's the, a prostitute, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, but surely the guy that kills her is actually the one that's portraying lust because he is a married man that's going after sex. I know, but then it's also the idea of a woman who you uses lust to make money yeah. and that's her job and her profession. I think it's kind of the two of them, to be honest. And because there's he's all, left. Because he's kind of like scarred up, by it as well. Because also Brad Pitt is. He's wrath. he's wrath. Yes. And, and, and he's not dead in the end, is he? And also. Uh, Sloth doesn't technically die at that point that they find him. Yep. Again, I think the whole thing with Wrath is um, he's he's dead in a different way. He has killed him in the way that he yeah. separated it. The last image we see of Brad Pitt is him throwing his gun and walking away from the police. Yeah. And Kevin go, Spacey is envy. He's envy. Yeah. 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 Is that yeah. cleared it up for you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just because it's it, it's not as clear cut as just yeah. Because um, the first four are like really obvious. Like that's why well, I quite are, like it though. I like the ambiguity of it. But, of, yeah. Is it? But also you know. the, the the guy that's that sloth, his I mean his main crime is the fact that he's he's pederast. Yeah, he's a drug dealer. But but the 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 attributing the sloth to him is is really the method in which he's kind of tortured. Yeah, rather uh-huh. than actually what uh-huh. he and is. how his lifestyle. Although I read up on it and apparently that sloth is rather than just laziness, it's also a kind of moral. Uh, uh, nihilism or whatever, okay. mm-hmm. and therefore being a drug dealer, which he was, yeah, which was also a lazy way to make a living, apparently. And the first yeah. guy, what was that? Like, what did he do? Fat bastard, was like, he... fat bastard. Was fat that bastard. literally? There's just a great it? bit when he's like, when he talks about <laughs> gluttony, he's like, people, then he's like disgusted at how he eats and stuff. Mm. Just doesn't like fatties, mate. <laughs> doesn't like fatties. So, so to me, it's it's a bit tenuous on Joe, John Doe's part. He. He well, kind think... of just grabs at this to try and just be a killer, basically, and 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 he tries to elevate himself that he doesn't achieve in my mind to be honest no I think he does I think he sums it up completely in his last line I think line. it's so uh, uh, to, serial killers are, are so different aren't they do you know what I mean like you can't rationalise them and his you would think it would be a bit more you know consistent but I think it's no, I think so irrational it. just shows it's like, a bit at the end when he had the line when he turns to him and he said people um, won't be able to comprehend but they won't be able to deny and I think that's his whole thing. Is like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm loco. And like, mate, all those books in his, when you see his room, this is a mad man. Oh yeah, who's no, on a downward spiral. And he obviously looks at the world around him and goes, the seven deadly sins are the reason the world is evil. And I'm going to create this wonderful, elaborate. 
And he'd been planning it for like the past year, hadn't he? Forever, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, um, I mean, he's a successful killer, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, judged, judged against everyone else, he's, he's pretty good at it. He's better than you. I just mean that I'd rather not hit, give him the final victory and thinking that he's he's done this. That's what I like about this, it, because it does give thing. him the final victory. I think he's just as flawed as everybody else. Oh, no, I, 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 I like the fact that he gives him the final victory, because it what it's saying is this this evil that we live in, this world is full of this nihilism, and that's what the film's about. I love that. I really it's like almost it. like... Um, because it, it is quite religious, it, it's, he's willing to kind of sacrifice himself to kind of be part of the jigsaw of what he believed in. And you could just imagine there's some internet nerd in this day and age being like, oh, John Doe was right about everything. Like, oh, God. Do you know what I mean? I could see people having a real, real following if it was in the real world. Oh, well, I'm, I'm a major disciple. <laughs> um, quickly, before we move on, one last thing I want to talk about in Seven, that when I first saw it, it stuck with me forever, and every time I watch it, it still works. The title sequence. Mm. Ace. How good is that yeah, title sequence? Really good. Yeah, and it's got to have been copied a lot since then. Oh, every film in the world copied it for a while. M- music's ace. And also, uh, I'm touching on the music, because it's Howard Shaw, isn't it? It I, is Howard Shaw. And, and when, I, when I was listening to it, I was like, this sounds like History of Violence. Same dude, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's banging. It's a real good soundtrack. It's, it's so good. There's a lot of strings going on. And there's a bit of Marvin Gaye. <laughs> hey. Um, but yeah, I think talking going back to that title sequence, I do think it shows off just um, the sort of uh, music video background that Fincher had before he started the film. Because I mean, he was huge in the music video scene mm-hmm. before this. He was directing Wasn't Madonna the end credits, wasn't it like reversed? Was it? Yeah, it's like. I yeah, did not know I'm that. I'm pretty certain it's reversed. Right. Yeah, it is. Well, anybody else, <laughs> any other feelings about Seven? Loved it. It's awesome. It's well good. Yeah, it's really Chanel, good. Play a clip. All right. Wait a minute, I thought. All you did was kill innocent people. Innocent? Is that supposed to be funny? An obese man? A disgusting man who could barely stand up? A man who, if you saw him on the street, you'd point him out to your friends so that they could join you in mocking him? A man who, if you saw him while you were eating, you wouldn't be able to finish your meal? And after him, I picked the lawyer, and you both must have secretly been thanking me for that one. This is a man who dedicated his life to making money by lying with every breath that he could muster to keeping murderers and rapists on the streets. Murderers. A woman. Murderers, John, like yourself. A woman. So ugly on the inside that she couldn't bear to go on living if she couldn't be beautiful on the outside. A a drug dealer, a a drug dealing pederast, actually. And let's not forget the disease-spreading whore. Only in a world this shitty. Could you even try to say these were innocent people and keep a straight face? So, um, let's talk a little bit about serial killers in real life. Um, Tomo, you got some information? I've always got some information. Okay, so how do we feel? (laughs) 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 That was was genuine. We almost let you just have that. Uh, Go on, go on, carry on. Okay, um, how do we all feel about serial killers? I love him. <laughs> I like, fascinating, but genuinely big fan. Like, yeah, just just to observe and learn and all that. Kind what do you love thing. so much about them? I have no idea, you know, I, and I kind of don't want to pick at that thread too much okay. because uh, you know some boxes can't be shut. But it's just, <laughs> I think it's being out. Uh, th- this is watching programs and films and um, and reading books and all that kind of thing. It's, yeah, it's safe in it. It is. It's safe dipping your toes in shark-infested yeah. water, isn't it? Like to be yeah. repulsed and fascinated to know, by to something. To know it's all out there, and to know that you're 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 okay. You're too. all right. You, that you're not like that. But then you think. But then you can, I could do it. But then you just keep <laughs> watching documentaries. And then about you it. go, I could do it. Better. I could probably do it. A Guys, bit I fantasise about killing. <laughs> I think about it all the time. Um, <laughs> what else to say? No, um, I agree with you. I also am fascinated by serial killers. Uh, I think it's a juicy, juicy topic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, wouldn't like to be murdered by one. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no. Be I don't know, but ways to go. Like, it's memorable, isn't it? No. No, it would be horrific, mate. Who's the... I mean, I've got a list of people here with some of the Jeffrey Dahmer. Stuff. Getting bombed, e- drilled in the head, eaten. boiling water into me nuts. Yeah. Nah, I'm all right with that, mate. Ed- Edmund Kemper. Ed Kemper. He, head off. He was 15. Fuck that Ed. Oh, yeah, he fucked the Ed. <laughs> he was 15 when he killed his, 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 his nan and grand... No, it was grandparents, wasn't it? He fucked his mum's head. Wasn't it his nan's head? Because he was, was like, because then he buried in the garden because he was like, she always thought she was above me or something. I thought it was his yeah. mum, but maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Because it's in Mindhunters, isn't it? Yeah, Mindhunters. Yeah, check out awesome. Mindhunters if you're not seeing it. It's so good. Go on, on. give me some okay. facts. All right, um, we've got no facts, but... <laughs> I've got my usual list. Oh, hit me with the list. My mate. top ten. Hit me with your list. Okay, okay. I'm going to, as usual, go reverse order. Serial killer. And Number this is favorite. Um, evil. What's his top? Body his top ten. <laughs> top ten serial killers. Most evil. Just evil. Internet. Just, just horrible. Top ten most evil, horrible, horrible. psychos. Yeah. Uh, Ready. Okay. Ready. Yeah. I mean, there's some in there that they should have been in there. Obvs. But that's Titch. like every top ten. <laughs> Titch should be in there. Okay, so number ten, Son of Sam. Yeah. Do you know him? Yeah, I've seen the film with John Leguizamo yeah. and Adrian Brody. So he did a series uh, of shootings in the summer. What's his name? Dave Bukowski or something. Shot yeah. people in cars. Boring. Yeah, so he's Boring. Ten. We'll skip past him. Anyone who shoots anyone is not a real serial killer. You're a bandit. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> We're it's not serial not, killers. What about the that? DC sniper? Yeah, I'm not bothered. I want to see somebody with a knife hacking someone up like Michael Myers. <laughs> That's a serial killer right there. <laughs> okay, so Son of Sam, shit. Yeah, boring. Number nine, Harold Shipman, our very own Harold Shipman. Harold Shipman, the dark doctor of death. The doctor of death. <laughs> He's up there in numbers. 250 victims. He's up there in numbers. But again, I don't want this to come across offensive, but a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> and also a little bit easy. Yeah, it's like, they're all like, old. Like, well, you, you're a doctor and oh, you just yeah. got, it's just. It's like, all right, Elsie, how are you, love? Oh, there we go, you're asleep. Come on. <laughs> That's not how I want it. <laughs> Is this too far? <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Let's move on quickly. So, <laughs> okay, number eight, Charles Manson. Classic. <laughs> Classic killer. Didn't well, actually kill anyone, though, did I? He didn't, no. Nah, just like a family. Yeah, yeah. Manson family. So, yeah. yeah, that's him. He died. Recently. Recently. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> So, number seven, um, we've got Ahmad Soraji. No idea. Okay. Who's that? Here we go. Go on. He's called The Sorcerer. Okay. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know, they all have nicknames, don't yeah, they? No shooting or magic. Oh, yeah. Go on, go on. For some on. reason, they called him The Sorcerer. Now, get on this. I've never heard of him, but he's up there. He was a cattle breeder, okay? And he admitted to killing 42 women and children. And what he did is after he killed them, he then buried them waist deep. And all the bodies that he killed, 42 of them, were found in a sugarcane field with their heads all facing his house, which he then believed would give him more power. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah I'll give you that. That's, where was this? On the internet. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, like, where did he do it? Russia, I think. What's his name? Uh, Ahmed Soradaji. Ahmed Soradaji. Ahmed Soradaji. Doesn't Russian to me. I just but... made it up. Do you know why I said it was, um, it was possibly Russian? Because do you know how they killed him? You, know, you usually get, like, an electric chair or you Hacker. get... Hacker. Hacked to death. No, a firing squad just killed him. Classic. Just literally just unleashed fire. I'll find out where he is from in a minute. Nice. I'll, go, I'll keep going through the list. It, but that's good. Yeah, that's, that's like I that's, heard of that. that's a good one. It is a good one, isn't it? Mm. Okay, so number six. Um, I don't think you will have heard of this guy either because I hadn't. His name is Louis uh, Garavito. He's a Colombian. 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 Who did he kill? Uh, and he was called El Bisto. Not the beast. The beast. <laughs> they calling me the beast. They call me the beast. She didn't shudder at my paw. That was being the base there, guys. <laughs> the world's greatest serial killer. So, uh, the El Bisto, he was Colombian, and he is considered, actually, even though we haven't heard of him, as the world's worst serial killer. This ain't the geezer who was, like, cutting out tongues and cooking them up and all that shit, was he? Well, he's not on your. He's not number one on your list, though, is no, he? No, he's number six. But he was so, cooking people But he's up. up there. But he's considered... So when is he considered the worst? Um, just, just not on this because, list. It's because of the graphic, na the graphic nature of his crimes. That's what it said in the list, yeah. but I was like, so why isn't he number one? Yeah. Anyway. Mm, yeah. So what he did is he, he um, confessed to torturing, raping and murdering 300 young boys. Oh, oh God. Now listen to this. Happy podcast, everyone. Hard to, hard to make a joke about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't joke about this one. He got, when he got sentenced and he admitted to all of them, um, he got 1,850 years in prison, but Colombian law limits it. They can only get 30, so he's out 
in 2029. <laughs> he got sentenced in 1999. To so how long? 30 years. 30 years. No, but... What he should it? have got 1,853 <laughs> years. I mean, they're rounding down a bit there, aren't they? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> 30 years. Oh, right, the moral is, if you want to go and kill a bunch of people, do, do it, it in Colombia. Who's yeah. <laughs> the next one? Go on. Who's the next one? Um, oh, by the way, that Ahmed guy was Indonesian. Indonesia. Also oh. also go there for for the creativity. Yes. <laughs> Sugar cane. Um, okay, number five. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Again, not heard of him. Just <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Tsutomo Miyazaki. I know this one. Okay. Well, Is that how I say well, it? No, because when we had our... Japanese. Is it Japanese? Tsutomo. Yeah. Because it's like you, isn't it? It's Tomo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tsutomo Miyazaki. Yeah. He's the human Dracula. That's what they call him. Yeah, I know this. Just you could like turn you. into a bat. <laughs> <laughs> So the human Dracula, he had teeth like me, um, was, he basically abducted little girls, not very nice, mm, killed them. I for making a joke. Yeah. <laughs> killed them and then indulged in sexual activities to their dead corpses. Happy podcast, everyone. Yeah. He then drank the blood and then he um, preserved Seven's part. great, isn't it? Seven's <laughs> boss film, man. Boss film. <laughs> It gets worse. He preserved body parts oh. and then sent postcards to the families. Well, what charming. He's lovely. Charming. He's lovely. All right, moving on quickly because that was really dark. Yeah, I'm sure the next five will be fine. Yeah. Four. four. Are we at number one now? <laughs> Are we not at number one? We still got No, we still oh, going. Keep going, keep going. Number four, um, I'm sure you've heard of him, John Wayne Gacy. Gacy. The killer clown. The killer yeah, clown. Yeah. So, yeah, you know all about yeah. him. And he- wasn't he the... No. I was thinking of something else then. Yeah, he was um, <laughs> killed at least 33 teenage boys, killer rapist, killer clown, because he, he actually had like an alter ego. Yeah, he was a clown. He was like he used to go to kids' parties. Did loads of like fundraising, charity up, events. He was called like Mr. Popo or something. Yeah, or, like, was it based on him? Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, was it? He was called like Bozo the Clown or Bazonga yeah, or, like, or like Uncle Murderer. I forget what his name <laughs> yeah, was. Killer the Clown. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he's he's number four. Number three, Ted Bundy. Classic, yeah. love Ted Bundy. In fact, little Seth, um, not Seth. Classic, Rogan. I like Ted Bundy. Yeah. Sorry, um, uh, he's brilliant. No, he, Zac he Efron changes face loads. Yeah, stuff, no, like. Zac Efron is playing him in a coming film. Oh really? Um, yeah, he were very famously uh, represented himself in court because he had a law degree whilst researching no in the library. Broke out and ran away. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, wow. he literally, there was a woman who had bite marks on her body that matched his teeth and he's literally in court in her face being like, that's not me. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Oh. Yeah, and he was able to like change his appearance like like nobody else. You can you can see like a photo of it with about 10 different images. Mm. Yeah. It looks like a different person in yeah. everyone. He was, uh, electri- was he electrocuted? Uh, he- firing squad. I was no. in, in Russia. <laughs> took a room to Russia. Yeah. Uh, number two. Number two, the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, brilliant. So he was back in the 60s, 70s. If he you've not seen it, sorry, go and watch the Zodiac, another David Fincher, Fincher film yeah, as yeah. well. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't kill that many people, though. Like Just um, over a no, long period of time. He claimed 37, but they only actually got him yeah. for about seven yeah. or eight. It was more the, the clues and stuff that were being sent all the and all the kind of more the press. media sensation surrounding it. But do go and watch Zodiac. It makes for a really good kind of pseudo-sequel to seven, actually. Yeah. What's his actual name? Um, they don't know. They never caught him. Never got him. Never got him. Never um, and number one, Jack the Ripper. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I know. Noah Gein. Noah Gein. I was waiting for Ed Gein. Yeah. I was waiting no, for um, um, Jeffrey, Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer as well. I also thought, what's the names? Mara Hindley and... Mara Hindley, Ian Brady, all yeah. the English guys. Yeah. Um, well, there you go, guys. That's the most charming podcast segment <laughs> we've ever done. Our top ten horrendous murderers. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway once wrote, The world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Next up on the show, it is our pleasure. We've got a guest in the studio. Um, uh, we are joined by a forensic expert. <laughs> Ten years at Scotland Yard, two years lecturing at MCU. We are um, here in the studio. It's Professor, sorry, Dr. Beth Chai. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to have you here, Professor Chai. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming it's in. Lovely Dr. to be here. Welcome. <laughs> lovely to be here. So you've retired from that now? Yeah, right? yeah, I'm retired already. So tell us what you actually do. Yeah, I actually am a reception teacher. She's a reception teacher, guys. That get sounds right. harder than yeah, the other job. Much it's harder. much yeah. harder. Guys, yeah. you've made a mistake. Get her out, please. you remember from the studio. I'm in the wrong studio. <laughs> no, the reason why we've got a reception teacher um, in is because she is also 
on the sly. A serial killer. A serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are actually obsessed with serial killers and you've got a real fascination with criminology mm-hmm. and kind of where it originated um, from. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that. <laughs> um, I think it's just started when started watching like CSI and Criminal Minds and all that and she became quite fascinated Gil by it. Grissom. Love it. Yeah. Love it. It's a classic. <laughs> you can re-watch them all the time. But I think once I started watching that, it then started to link in a little bit more with a lot of the kinds of courses and child psychology part of, of being a teacher. And I think it was making those links and realising that actually a lot of serial killers and a lot of criminals, there's... there's um, reasons behind all of their behaviours and I think it was just going deeper into that and realising that these a lot of these people don't just kill because they feel like it it's there is actual trauma and real issues deep rooted inside them and a lot of them they don't actually know it themselves so for example kind of what um so so you're telling me um if you're a teacher at your school uh would you like to think that you'd be able to tell if one of your reception children was planning on murdering people in the start of the seven days. You don't have to name any names here. Yeah, tell us Have you got like a little lad at the back who's just cutting his fingers <laughs> off at the end so he doesn't have any fingerprints? I'd like to think it, but they do say that a lot of, if you look back at a lot of serial killers when they were children, that, that you know they did have issues that probably would have stood out a lot more than other children. And, you know, a lot of it is... Things like common animals, you know, or you know the way they the, the way they see the world and the mm. way they talk, and you know, there's a lot of differences in them in in a, in a child whose you know emotional stability isn't there or their attachment issues are quite obvious, and it's usually that then that develops. And you know, you could obviously have children who will act in a certain way when they're younger, and it may be that actually as they get a little bit older, that develops in a positive way. But it's usually that it will, you know, develop in a more negative way. So you just got to keep your eye on them, just in case. Keep an eye on them. Yeah. Like yeah. the 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 animal cruelty one is quite yeah. common. You, you hear yeah, that. Yeah. In fact, mine hunters they talk about that. Yeah. That's one of their things when they're cataloging some of these serial killers. Mm. That's one of the things that they start matching up. Yeah. What What are some other signifiers, maybe of uh, of of, of yeah, how would if you, you see something you happening in a younger children? relative who might be doing something a bit weird? Yeah, maybe take a note of it. A lot of the time, it's as you say, something like that. It's quite an, an extreme behaviour that you know you would, you know, all children are curious about their environment and and you know they will explore it, but it's just going that extra little step of, mm. you know, that they're doing it one too many times or they're talking about it a little bit too much. It might be that this, you know, socially, it's it's quite difficult for them to actually communicate with other children some of them have quite a negative image of themselves right. or or almost too too much self-awareness and self-confidence and there's a lot but as I say it you have to kind of take it in you know perspective of the whole child mm-hmm. because some children obviously you will see that within a lot of yeah you've described a lot, a lot of things exactly. that i would recognize in myself it's yeah, a bit scary absolutely but, <laughs> but as i say it, it's putting it then into perspective looking at their background looking at their home life looking mm. at their family looking what they've been through but you know, how do we stop them because <laughs> <laughs> you know they, they're starting Love out with you they're starting out with yeah, you're you. not doing enough i know obviously. i know i'm not stamp it out i think it is really i think because a lot of it is it's that whole nature versus nurture argument mm. um and unfortunately, I think a lot of the time when you actually look further into it, there's not a lot that us as outsiders really can do. It, you know, it is very much so about the system being flawed and, and that children aren't being recognised as having, so, you know, real it's issues. It's the parents' fault. Well, so, Beth, do you, do you I believe then? The I blame so the parents. Do we believe that it is a nurture thing and that you're not just born an evil bastard? I don't know. <laughs> I, I actually, I go between with this one. Um, because I've both. done I've done a lot about child like child development and, and what children need in order yeah. to develop, you know, in in a positive way and to be brought up, you know, from the way go and feel loved and secure and safe. And although it seems that, that it's their basic needs that are met, but a lot of the time children's basic needs aren't met, and it's it's how that develops. So it is quite a difficult one, I think, and between nature and nature because you can look at two you know two twins and they can be very different but 
I suppose a lot of it, I do think, is down to twins are how different, though, aren't they? Because there's always an evil one. Yeah. So that's always, always. going to be the serial killer, <laughs> yeah. but you just don't know which one is the evil one. Sometimes it's two. Mm. So sometimes both. Have you? Sorry, have it's you ever? Bit. Have you ever like had a drawing from a kid that's made you go, "Oh, I." Yeah, <laughs> that's always, a bit graphic. You always get certain like drawings, and you think, "Where have they even got that from?" But that's where again you need to like this look podcast, into it more. Listening to this, yeah, listening to this. You know, it might just be like an advert or something, or they've seen. You know, I used to be a teacher. I used to be a teacher, and once I taught a class, and this is a true story. And at the end of the class, a small girl approached me and said, "Sir, I've got a picture for you," and she'd drawn a picture of me with a cat's head. (laughs) Now, what do you think about that? She probably just didn't like your face as it was and she just wanted to change mm. it. I don't know. If anyone's listening to this, maybe just keep an eye on her, check her out. She could be mental. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds preferable. Her name is Stick was. hair cat on your body. <laughs> yep, it was pretty creepy. A human one. So you watched, um, we, well, we watched Seven, yeah. didn't yeah. we? Um, and you loved it. Mm-hmm. And then do, do you have kind of like, what was your feeling about our, you know, our murderer? Like any theories of like why he was fucked up? Yeah, we talked about this, didn't we, a lot. Like yeah. about, I think, I think from what I would say is that he's been brought up in probably quite a religious background. I think Got that's nonsense. probably been almost culty, mm. you know, to the point where it's it, it's really been drummed into him that this is this is how you are supposed to live your life, and it's it's been twisted and turned on its head, um, and that's why when you think you know it's not always like a negative like abuse or anything like that that children suffer sometimes it can just be the way the parents are and the way they force their values and beliefs on a child can all of a sudden take a turn for the worse and parents have got no idea that it's even happened until it's yeah. it's happened and I think yeah I think probably it's gone from that to becoming so much more and he's he's obviously quite you know he wants the control he wants the power and that's just gone a little bit too far and, and then it's become something so much bigger and he's gone with it and he's just kind of got lost in it almost and obviously that room he surrounded himself in yeah the weirdness awesome yeah it's good flat that isn't it yeah yeah when you go in you're like oh my god i would live there (laughs) (laughs) well um dr beth chai thank you so much for coming in thank you so much for having me our questions been a pleasure thank you beth thank Thank you baby Hey, you ready? Let's do this. Ready? Remake. Okay, guys, it's that time again. And let's remake seven. Um, I think I'm going first this week. Yeah, ma'am. Okay, so this is my remake of seven. Set in the present day in London, England. And the film is directed by Neil Marshall, who has a talent for directing sort of as it would be called urban fantasy. Uh, I'm kind of going off the reservation a little bit on this mm-hmm. one, so bear with me. What else has he done? Uh, Dog Soldiers, um, <laughs> oh, Doomsday, yeah. The Descent, uh, nice. and a few great episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, he's doing the new Hellboy reboot as well. Mm. Um, so, uh, the year is in the present day, and we discover there is a secret part of MI5 known as the Hawthorne branch. And the Hawthorne branch is the part of the government that was set up by Queen Victoria to battle the occult and dark issues in um, modern-day London. We meet the star of our film, and her name is Agent Somerset, played by the wonderful Emma Thompson. Mm. And Emma Thompson is uh, carries a sword of silver, and they are <laughs> in this world, and they are sort of defending it. I hear she it. does anyway. Yes, and they're defending it against vampires and werewolves and other monsters. Um, one day, a new young rookie joins the force, uh, and he is Agent Mills, and he is played by Mr. John Boyega. And of course, we have the old weathered um, detective partnered up with the young hotshot rookie. Um, they find out that the mayor of vampires, the vampire mayor of London, has hatched a plan and has decided to attack the big figures of London. And what is this plan, I hear you say? His plan is to find the key to the God office. And the God office <laughs> is an office at the centre of the world where the God himself created the planet and his plan is to break into the god office (laughs) and steal sunday 
the Lord's Day. Without <laughs> Sunday, the world is destroyed. So... The London Mayor of Vampires travels his way around a dark and dirty London, meeting various fun and fantasy characters to find his way to the God Office to take Sunday itself, which is a physical thing, and when he destroys the seventh day of the week, all life is over. Um, and that is pretty much my summary for my version of Seven. There you go. Nice. Who plays the mayor? Who plays the Vampire Mayor of London? Yeah, man. Um, Ray Winston. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a vampire, you can't. <laughs> any murders? Any like, you know? Um, well, you see, various. For example, there's a bit when they have to go and find the troll who lives under London Bridge, and um, he's not talking, and they're like, "I got a way to beat him," and they go to an Indian and buy some curried goat and take it to him and go, "There you go, mate, have that," and he scrans that and goes, "Delightful." There you go. Cool. Well, well done. Yeah, well done. Mate, I quite well like done. it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd actually watch it. You know. It's a bit never wary. Yeah, it's very never wary. Think, uh, think Neil Gaiman in the eighties. Oh yeah. Yeah, I always do. I love a bit <laughs> every night. All right, uh, who's up next? I believe it's Schneddams. Schneds. Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, my remake is called Ten, and <laughs> is a kids' film following the story of young Johnny Doe, who wakes up one morning to find all his fingerprints are missing. <laughs> so. Tries to shrug it off, but his day just gets worse. His ability to hold anything has been drastically, some would say ridiculously diminished, and he gets covered in a whole mess of milk when he drops his spoon in his cereal. <laughs> on the bus on the way to school, he's jeered by his friends and embarrassed by his lack of ability to uh, quickly purchase apps on his phone. And then during his criminology lesson, he's asked to come up and demonstrate fingerprinting to the class. Of course, that doesn't go well, and today of all days, the class was being taken by Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, and he was a very scary teacher. So, Johnny's decided he's had enough, and after school he goes in search of his fingerprints. First he goes to the police station to speak to Detective Mills. Maybe they'd been handed in, and perhaps the detective had a lead. Unfortunately, Mills hadn't heard anything, and seemed a bit preoccupied at the time, so Johnny leaves to do some sleuthing on his own. Johnny's next stop is to see the jolly fat spaghetti man. Perhaps he ate them by mistake. (laughs) Johnny's much smaller than the man and needs to wake him up from his mid-meal nap, so climbs up onto a conveniently placed bucket but needs to be very careful not to fall in. Unfortunately, the man hasn't seen Johnny's prints but thanks him for the wake-up as he's hungry, so he settles down to another plate of spaghetti with extra lino shavings on top. Yum. Next, Johnny goes to visit the town lawyer, Mr Gould. Perhaps Johnny asked him to look after his fingerprints to keep, uh, for safekeeping and have forgot. Mr Gould's secretary, a very pretty lady who could have been a model, lets Johnny in, though she barely looks up from a vanity mirror as he passes her into Mr Gould's office. Unfortunately, Mr Gould can't remember taking Johnny's fingerprints so uh, because he had so many others to take care of, so they go into his storeroom to have a look. Johnny, who's expecting to find lots of organised filing cabinets and safes, goes into the room to find just one huge overflowing briefcase of brown envelopes and piles and piles of fingerprints which all look far too large and slimy to be Johnny's. So Johnny says he'll go home to carry on looking for his fingerprints tomorrow and Mr Gould's friend, Mr Victor Allen, says he would be more than happy to walk with him. The secretary and Mr Gould look at each other nervously and both agree that she would take him instead. And just as they reach the door, Mr Allen says something about the secretary's nose, which makes her terribly upset and unable to leave the bathroom. So now Mr Gould's far too busy collecting the fingerprints and Johnny has to leave with Mr Allen, a seemingly delighted man, if a tad thin. Mr Allen says he hasn't seen Johnny's fingerprints either and the walk home is slow as they keep having to sit down and take rests. Mr. Allen seems very weak and smells like air freshener, but he's very nice to Johnny and wants to see him again. Johnny isn't sure and says he will ask his mum, but Mr. Allen says to keep it a secret and pats Johnny on the knee. At that point, an exotic young lady comes up to see if everything's okay, which Johnny thinks it is, but Mr. Allen leaves very quickly saying something about being the boy's uncle. Nobody says anything, but everybody internally remarks on how Kevin Spacey looks a lot like the man. Anyway... The very made-up lady walks Johnny the rest of the way home, which is nice of her, Johnny thinks, as she must be cold with so little clothing. Johnny tells her about his missing fingerprints, and she said that she hadn't seen them, though her line in, work, uh, in her line of work she encountered many. Johnny wasn't sure what she meant by this, but doesn't have time to ask, and they're back home uh, as she was going off to meet another man who had a surprise for her. Johnny's back home now and tired. It has been a long day, and it has just not stopped raining. About to head upstairs, he's stopped by a knock at the door, and he opens it to Detective Mills holding a box. "'What's in the box?' asked Johnny, gut-wrenchingly. 
Detective Mills apologises that he had the fingerprints all along as he was so jealous of how nice they were and how rubbish his own were. Johnny suddenly felt very angry and thought about shooting the detective in the face, <laughs> thought better of it, and they all had chips for tea. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Is it on CBBS? Yeah, yeah well, a um, bit, bit, bit later than that, but sort of five o'clock kind of... Uh, I'll say it in that. BBC, uh, directed by Rob Rodriguez, going back to cool. the Spy Kids days. And, uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right, Tomo, it's your remake. I'm up next. Okay, guys, um, the year is 2118, so we're in the future. My director's Ridley Scott. Nice. Um, it is... As ever, high tech planet, <laughs> and um, it, we're existing in a planet where reality TV basically rules the world. So we've gone reality mad, which we're kind of on that way. Running um, <laughs> yeah. And basically, there is a sh- new show that is kind of basically taken the world by storm. A new reality TV show that is called Capital Vice. And um, it is watched by billions and billions of people. They can't get enough of it. And it is hosted by America's current president, Donald Trump Jr. Jr. <laughs> okay. And he's going to be played by Thomas F. Wilson. Do you know who he is? No. Biff from oh, right. Back to the Future. As in when he played <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump in Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> he's making his uh, very nice. return. So he's the host of this you know, like super extraordinary reality TV show. And basically, the premise of uh, the show, it's been running for its 10th year, and uh, each week the nation, through a series of rounds, basically search for the final seven. And um, the way they get their seven is uh, from seven continents from around the world, they basically put forward seven uh, candidates who basically represent each of the seven deadly sins. So when they kind of, you know, have decided who their seven are, are from each, you know, continent, then kind of, you know, the you get ex, given a sin. the X factor. You know, well, they are kind of, they actually they do. They represent the sin anyway. They do actually, you know, mm. hold the sin within mm-hmm. them. Um, so they're kind of like basically choosing the most sinful of their, yeah. you know, continent. Like big fat bastard, you're glad Yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, so when, when they kind of come up with each of their seven, there is then a final live arena show. Now you've got to be interested. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> so we're in the uh, live arena show, again, hosted by Donald Trump Jr. Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are filled with thousands, hundreds of thousands of audience. So if you can imagine a huge old school amphitheatre, but super tech. And they've all got little keypads. Okay. So and then what they do is they kind of each continent present their seven and they kind of have VTs and like, you know, screens basically just talking about who they are and like their background. They have a little moment of kind of like, you know, defending themselves as well. And basically out of the, you know, the first seven of, you know, say lust, the audience then out of them seven key into their keypads, mm-hmm. who they want to kind of choose as their final one for mm-hmm. that oh, category. Like the X Factor. Like the X Factor. Yeah. Like the X Factor. But with, yeah. But lusty. But lusty and like, dead, and deadly sinners. Yeah, sinners. So um, once the audience have decided with the keypads, you know, who is the you know most sinful seven, then um, the winners, one by one, are then just put to death. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, you know, as a nation, just thoroughly enjoy just, you know, different forms of torture kind of related to this. Is, is that what I'm Are we killing them in like... In like, in you know, the way they're doing seven. Yeah. Like, you get fucked by a but big just on like a, on a grander stage on version. And basically, whoever gets kind of like the most wins... Uh, you know, out of the category, then next year that continent gets to host it. Wow. That's my movie. You've got to be a sinner to be a winner. It's called Capital Vice. Mate, yeah, go ahead. That's only fun, that. Yeah. That's good, yeah. That. yeah. Cheers, um, guys. All right, guys. Those are our remakes, all very different this week. Mm. So please go online, tweet us, Instagram us, write me a letter. Uh, <laughs> let us know which remake you think is the best. Guys, who won last week? Well, have we got the results in? We do. Oh, it's tight. And yeah. I won 
<laughs> Did you win? Yeah. Straight in oh, with the win. I know. I, know. I, know. I, won. I know. Well, it's exciting. But All right. Yeah. So what's, well what's the score then? What's the score? What is it? No. Is it 2-1 no, to both of you? No, it's 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. two to Schneer, two to me, one to you, Rich. Well, look, guys, I've won this week, so that's good news. <laughs> um, also, I just want to do a shout out to our world's number one super fan. Oh, yeah. We've um, got a real favourite uh, Twitter fan out there. We want to give you some love. Dave Cooper. Listen, Coop. I love what you're doing. <laughs> you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Keep listening. Keep spreading the Reddit study where you make the love. Love you, Coop. Love you, Coop. Okay, so um, if you listen to the clip uh, at the end of the episode last week, um, hopefully you won it and you got seven. We're going to play the next clip now. <laughs> Floyd, do you know how to pick up? Let me ask you something. Is this relationship really solid? Do I have a shot at her at all? Excuse me. Sure. Am I overstepping my bounds? Just tell me. Come on. You know what's really beautiful about this? You two kids pick me. You didn't have to, but you pick me. It makes me want to kiss you guys. Come on. Come no. Give me one. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Let's get down to this. You're right. I got a card around here somewhere. Here. Here. Who do I have to kill? Here, hold that for me, would you? Okay, so that was the clip for the movie um, for next week. So if you think you know what it is... Tweet in, let us know. Tough on that. Tough yeah, one. that is hard, that. It is tough on that. Anyway, okay, so before we, because um, it's coming up to the end of the podcast, Aww. we've got our favourite bit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, we've got on the line a special, special guest. Um, we've got a little cheeky interview for none other than Morgan Freeman. I can't wait. I know. Ugh, Detective Somerset. Detective mm. Somerset on the line. Is he is he ready, Schnead? Uh let's just see. Um Hello? Are you are you there? Hello, my mate. It's me. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I've just had a lovely time driving Miss Daisy, Bruce Almighty, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption, out and all of them. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, look at me nose. I've got little freckles. Aren't I adorable? <laughs> See everyone. That was Mr. Morgan Freeman. He's so cute. Oh, he gets around there, doesn't he? That was he a does. cute He's one. He's busy. Does. I'm surprised he, he could fit us in. Yeah. I'm just glad he could. Yeah, that was surprised literally... he chose to talk about his freckles. Real, all things. Real gem. All right, guys, that is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening if you've made it all this way. Uh, we'll see you next <laughs> week. It's see you from me, uh, my co-host, Rach. Goodbye. Schned. Drop. Latest potatoes. <laughs> <laughs>